1: listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott.
2: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you on this cold monday i won't get into that i've already been called you know southern californian but uh, you know i i was cold out today it just was eight 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 five two eight two five five seven 528 2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation the bible is being banned in a couple of school districts across the country what do you think about this i'm going to tell you something here about bible's getting banned from the school districts ready for this This actually makes the point, the fact that some people would ban the Bible for being vulgar and uh, just have stuff in it that's not appropriate for younger kids— Makes the point about that parents are trying to make about other books that are being removed from grade school libraries. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. The number is 888 528 2557. 888 528 2557. One of the second largest school districts in Utah is banning the, the King James Version of the Bible. King James Version of the Bible. Hold on.
3: Four. Here. F-16, scramble to intercept it.
2: An- oh, that's the wrong one. Hold on there. That was a whole other story. We'll get to that. Where is... Oh, here it is. The King James Version of the Bible has been
0: removed from multiple Davis District schools. This after a committee found it
2: contained both vulgarity and violence. Vulgarity and violence. If you read the Bible, there is vulgarity and violence in it. Particularly I wouldn't say vulgarity, but there are things in there that you don't necessarily are, are going to teach to your little kids. That's why we have children's Bibles. Here's the, here's the point. In the church, we've already sort of, we, in fact, banned is the wrong word. That's the political word that's being used. Do you know that no books are being banned? If you go to Pan America and all these groups that are wringing their hands, about, oh, books are being banned. No books are being banned anywhere. It is a myth. There are some books that are challenged and removed from school libraries. Most of the time is temporary. Sometimes they're not removed at all. Just the story says they're, you know, the media will get it. And say, oh, they're banning the books. But they didn't. And sometimes they're looked at and they're returned within a day or two. Or they're moved from the third grade section of the library to the seventh grade section of the library. Or sometimes they're limited to high school but all of them, all books are available for parents to buy if parents would like to read stuff to their children, whatever that is. You can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go to amazon.com. You can go to just about any bookstore and find all of these banned books. They can be overnighted to you. If, you know, the next day you can just walk into Barnes & Noble. By the way, not promoting that book company, but they're actually opening up new bookstores. Did you know that? I think that's a decent sign for Americans that we feel like we have to have more bookstores after so many shutdowns. Anyway, a whole another thing. But see that the the thing is is that books are not being banned anywhere. Parents are legitimately concerned about their children reading smut in grade school. If I can put it that uh, clearly, see that's the argument. See, should schools be providing and teaching smut to kids? See, not, not that people are opposed to sex ed. Some people are, but we're talking about age appropriateness. You know, how old is it okay for certain things to be taught? And the, the point I'm making here is that what's happened in Utah schools is what's happening there is a parent is using the Utah law that says we don't want to have vulgar things or violent things to our kids. And in the Bible, there are stories that are pretty violent, and some of them are, are fairly sexual. That is in there.
4: The committee is going to be reading for a long time to read the Bible. They get to read it cover
2: to cover. Now that might even be a good thing, right? They're going to read the Bible cover to cover in order to find out what's in it.
5: Uh, Maybe
2: some of the people in that committee might end up getting saved. Who knows?
5: This is Michelle Edgley, the president of the Utah Educational Library Media Association, speaking with Fox 13 News back in March.
4: I don't think that most parents have either the right or the knowledge of uh, the student bodies to be banning books for the entire
5: school on Thursday, the Davis School District says a district review committee reviewed the King James version of the Bible in its entirety. Well, they determined it didn't contain sensitive material as defined by utah code it's interesting that the the committee
2: there's two things interesting about that number one is that they reviewed the whole Bible in its entirety in a day no they didn't <laughs> it takes a long time if you read for an hour it you know if you it would take you a constant reading. Uh, somewhere around 90 hours in that ballpark to actually read the Bible. So several days of 24 hours at a time of reading the Bible. That's how long it would take you. And if you're talking about the King James Version... Uh, it's going to take you longer than that. It's, uh, some of it is, you know, older language. It's rougher to read. It's, it's harder to get through that. They didn't do that. But in whatever they did, they didn't determine that it breaks any of the Utah laws, actually, about violence or
5: vulgarity. But yet. They still pulled it from elementary and junior high school library shelves. Back in March, a Utah parent petitioned to have it removed, saying the religious text is pornographic.
2: And that's what's happening in across the board in these bans that you hear about in most of the time in Florida or Utah or other states where they now have laws that are trying to regulate the t- type of literature that gets put in public school libraries. There's usually some language in there about then it can be kind of vague, right? How do you define for yourself vulgarity? How do you define for yourself even what level of violence? I mean, th- we live in a time where where words are violence, right? Uh, you know, how do you determine this? I think that there is a way that we determine it. The movie business has seems to have no problem determining it. I mean, once in a while, you go to a PG movie or PG-13 movie and you say, "Ah, that should have been uh, rated R, right? And, you know, I wish I didn't bring my kid to that. That was a little bit over the top. So we we sort of know most of the time we get it right. Sometimes I've seen a rated R movie. I'm like, I don't know why this is rated R. Usually it's the it's the content or there's probably a marketing reason why they think they're going to make more money if it's got that label on it or something. There's different things. But actually, I think people are pretty good at determining what is appropriate for different age groups. We, I think human beings have always been pretty appropriate. And when it turns out that uh, somebody – makes a mistake on that, or if somebody is just into something and into teaching little kids something that most people think shouldn't be taught, we don't think those are very good people, that historically human beings, not just religious people, this always gets thrown back at, you know, Christians or religious people in general, people in general are pretty happy that movies have some kind of rating on it. Right. Just you may not look at it, you may not be interested, but if you go to the movies with your kids or you're looking on Netflix or something and you're trying to figure out what to watch with your family, you're pretty happy that they have categories. That doesn't mean it's appropriate for your kids. It doesn't mean they got it right. It doesn't mean there's not agendas, but it's it's pretty good. And I think people are happy about that. I think you don't have to be a religious person to feel like it's a good thing to have different categories for things. Well, that's what's going on. So my point here, and this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can call and join the conversation. What do you think? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Utah schools banning the Bible. I think it's going to happen otherwise. So a parent who doesn't like that some other books are being challenged says, well, this book has, the Bible has this, so we're going to go after those Christians. They're also, in Utah, they're also going after the Mormons. I think that's why it's King James. Mormons will give you a King James version. They're not too keen on the NIV Or the ESV or whatever other version you have, and there's reasons for that. Um, But we won't get into that that today. But uh, you know, it's being done sort of to be vindictive, but I think it actually makes the point. See, we have in the church, in your church. Did you grow up when you heard the story of Noah, and you were a little kid? How much of that story? And maybe you've never read it. I mean, the truth is, is that most Christians have not read most of the Bible. And that is a big, big, big part of the problem. But how many of you really sat down and read the whole story of Noah and every part into it and got into it? Or do you just have the little kid version, the little kid version where you have this little boat and the animals are in the boat and the giraffes are sticking their heads out the top and, uh, you know, everybody's smiling in all those pictures. You know, it seems like a very clean environment uh, in the kids' books with the pictures. It couldn't have been that good, right? It just it just couldn't have been that so I think what's going on, or what happens in church, is that we edit that story. How many, of you, you, how many of you know that at the end of that story, what's the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark? Anybody remember, what is the very first thing that we read in Genesis 9 that Noah did when he got off the ark? He planted a vineyard, he made some wine, he got drunk, he took off all of his clothes, and he laid down drunk in the dirt. You did not have that part of the story in your children's Sunday school flannel graph. Remember the flannel graph? Does anybody still do that today? It should be brought back. It's it's like this felt board. And, you know, when I was a kid, you had this green felt board and then you would have these these felt characters and you would stick them up there on the board and you would tell these stories. Nobody did that as a kid. We never had Naked Noah on the uh, third grade flannel graph story. Just never did. Uh, There's a reason for that. It's because we don't think that story is something that your little kids can comprehend. I don't want to have to go to Sunday school or have my kid come back from Sunday school and have to have a conversation about what is drunk. How does that work? Now, at a certain age, that becomes something that you can have that conversation or you should have that conversation. I think that's probably junior high, would be my opinion on that. I don't think my, you know, I've got a brand new high schooler and somebody who is somebody, my son Johnny. He's more than a somebody. He's my son. I've got (laughs) somebody who lives in my house is going into the sixth grade. I'm not even sure that that somebody is ready to really hear that part of the story. I think he would giggle at it and we'd never get through it. This is something that the church has already done. It is actually consistent. And if you want to say, oh, those stories, you know, may not be, that's why we have kids' Bibles. You have the kids' Bible. It tells the story of Noah and it skips that part. But when you're older, my older son, James, who also lives in my house, going into freshman year, he he can handle that story. He understands, hey, there's drunk and there are dumb things that being drunk makes you do. And one of them is you take off all your clothes and you lie down in a tent. That's what Noah did. And he might even understand the idea that when we get, when things like that happen, that maybe, uh, you know, if you were really on the ark, right, if you're Noah, and suddenly you get land, and everybody has been wiped out. And you're in charge of all these animals and the water finally recedes and then all of a sudden you uh are the only ones left with your family there. You know what, you're gonna be probably depressed. You're gonna be in one hand happy, in one hand blessed, maybe because God rescued you, but in the other hand, it's a pretty tough place. You know, just because God saved your life doesn't mean that you're going through the best of times in the sense of what you have to deal with in, the, in that context. You know, God often calls us to do things for him that are hard, that are emotionally difficult. Um, but our faith is, in the faith of Noah is why God took him through that. 8885282557. We're talking about the Bible being banned in Utah schools and in other places people using the laws that are being written to limit the type of sexual material or violent material given to little children to also ban the Bible. My point is is that people who are doing that are making the point for us that there is age appropriate stuff out there and we all think that way. And the whole weird thing that we're going to give uh some of this stuff to to kids is, uh, is not something that people actually think. And I think, actually, uh, it doesn't worry me spiritually uh, about Bibles. And what they did, by the way, is they moved the Bibles to, um, to uh, high school, the King James Version of the Bibles. It didn't say anything about kids' version of the Bibles that are probably still there. 888 Penny in Canoga Park. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show.
4: Hi, Tod This is Penny. I've spoken with you before. Hi, Penny. Um, I am a King James version, the lover, of the original. That is my Bible. I've read it through several times. I read it all the time. I have to pray every time before I read it for wisdom and understanding it's the best bible and That's it's the one you like
2: stories. so there it's interesting to me in that story that they're banning the king james but the reason they're doing that in in utah is because the mormons prefer the king james if you if you uh ask your uh, your mormon missionary who shows up uh they're mm-hmm. going to give you for your free bible they'll give you one um, but it's going to be king james and then they're going to give you the uh book of mormon attached to it in fact the interesting thing you can't see the video on these news clips I'm playing but in the video, it's it's a Bible that contains the King James, and then it has all the Mormon books attached to it, kind of as one, oh, wow. one book.
4: I love the Book of Mormon too. I read that too. I, I kind of, well, I kind of laughed at it, but yeah, I've read. It's, I, it's I not the
2: it. same. It's uh, it, it isn't the same. But that's that's I think you know it's not really an attack on the King James in the in this story. Uh, that's just the version that you're going to see in Utah mostly.
4: Oh, good. Okay, thank you so much. And you know what? You are such a wonderful. Wonderful preacher.
2: Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Penny. I appreciate that. I hope that you have a great day and that you're bundled up because it's freezing and I'm, I'm being a wimp about that today.
4: It's freezing and here in California it's really good. Did I hear you say that you were from Palmdale?
2: Yes, I'm from Palmdale, which is a great place to be from.
4: Well, it's very cold there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, the thing is about Palmdale is it can be, uh, you know, 40 degrees right now and in an hour it can be 75. Oh uh,
4: yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it's a, it's a different
2: place. <laughs> it is. All right, Penny, thank you for calling. You keep
4: you. Bye. All
2: right, thank you for calling the Pastor Scott show. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Talking about book banning and you know, it's something that you see all the time, these stories about books being banned and I follow up on them and I encourage you to do that. You know, there's a lot of reason. You know, one of the reasons is because a lot of times the story isn't true. Sometimes it's not true at all. Uh, there was a story last week, I think, that said that a book of poetry that uh, had poems by Amanda Gorman. Remember her? She she did the uh, she was a poet laureate, the young woman who was the poet laureate at the Biden inaugural and that her books were banned. And there was all this uh, outrage about it. But the entire story wasn't true. It was – there was a parent who complained about uh, a book of poetry that her poems were in and some other stuff. School board looked at it. It was never banned, and they said this is junior high material, but it's even in the same buildings as the younger kids. If you're in third grade, you want to go read that. That's no problem. There's no banning uh, of most books. There are some books that are being removed from schools, and in, in the legitimate cases, they should be, you know, the pornography. And there's pornography. Let's, it, it has to be – I used the word earlier. It's smut. I want you to think about it because this is one of the things that's happening in this. Okay, you know, there's there's harsher words. It needs to be there. There was an article in NPR that said this plot twist activists skirt book bans with guerrilla giveaways and pop up libraries. So what's happening is that some people go to Barnes and Noble and they buy all these books that are completely available, not banned. They're there. And then they set up a tent somewhere in your neighborhood and hand out this smut to your children. Let me ask you something about that. Doesn't that sound creepy to you? Some bunch of people, adults, handing out uh, books that have depictions, like pictures, drawn pictures of children doing sex acts with other children and handing that to your kids. To me, see, to me, that's what we were warned about, right? That was in the time of don't talk to strangers, don't take candy from strangers, and uh, don't take dirty magazines from some weird guy in a tent who says that he's some kind of activist. I guess that's something that we we have to do. Why are we praising these people? What I found is that most of these people have never actually looked in the book. Some people have, but most people are like, no, it's just a sex ed book, or it's pushing, uh, you know, it's something like, you know it 's got a, a lgbtq plus agenda or something, but it 's all kind of nice, and they 've never looked at it um and it's it's none of those things. see, I think when we have people who are going to come back and say okay well let 's ban the Bible or let 's ban these other long time stories they 're making the point. does that make sense they 're making the point that we as as human beings, not just religious people but as human beings believe that there is some material that's not appropriate for young kids that that is something that is universal around the world, and that there is some material that if you think it's appropriate for little kids I'm telling you that's not okay the you know little kids just they just don't develop that way. I was talking about how my my kids so one's going into sixth grade one's going into uh freshman year in high school freshman year uh there's a lot more that he's able to talk about reasonably, with some giggling, the, and I've got boys, okay, it's just, it's just what I've got. Um, meaning that if you've got girls, maybe it's a little different, these conversations, and I had a sister, I get it. But, uh, and I have family members with with girls and lots of friends with girls. The, the conversations are different, but you're still not having the same conversation, okay, with the sixth graders, you are with the ninth grader. And there's a reason for that. There are movies that my ninth grader wants to watch, and I'd be okay with that, but I still don't think that my sixth grader should watch. And if you're a parent or a grandparent and you're looking at you, you have, you're going to make the same decision. We might make some different decisions. I was coaching the Little League team, and the kids were six and seven years old. And one of the kids, for whatever reason, his mom was letting him watch anything he wanted And he was talking about some pretty harsh movies, Um, even some harsh movies that are, I would say, particularly good movies, okay, The Godfather stuff, good stories and some lessons in there. But he didn't understand any of the depth of those movies, and he was being influenced by the violence and the language and everybody. Now, I was the only, as far as I know, me and my son were the only people Christian on that particular team. We were the only ones who went to church. I learned this because uh, we had a baseball game on Good Friday, and uh, I had to get someone else to coach. And when I was explaining this to the assistant and other people on the team, they didn't understand. And I was a pastor of a church then, a church just right down the street, that we had Good Friday services. Not everybody has Good Friday services or you have them during the day. That's all right you know, we had a that particular week, we had a Good Friday service. I had to be at it, had to bring the family. We're going to this. I work there. I can't, you know, not that I would anyway, but I have to be there. And I had to explain Good Friday to a couple of people. They really didn't understand it at all. And we were the only kid who couldn't make that game on the whole team. And nobody else was going to church anywhere. So there were Sunday things we couldn't do. I'm telling you that because I'm telling you this. None of the other parent, other parents were frustrated and kind of gossipy and looking down upon the other parent who let their kid watch whatever movie that he wanted to watch. This was not just a religious point of view. This was something that, that parents in a particularly liberal neighborhood, I would say it's where this neighborhood is. um, Parents didn't think this was appropriate. My friends, in this argument today, do not be beaten down by somebody who calls you a name, who says that you're anti-whatever or that you're a bad person because you think that certain things are age-appropriate and certain things are age-inappropriate for your kids. Do not let people determine for you in this way um, that something that you believe is bad for your kids is actually okay for your kids. This is why you've got to get involved in these school discussions. This is why that we have to speak out um, and understand that some of these things that are being asked, in fact, most of the things that are being removed from schools, they should never be in there in the first place. And you can be about, you know, free publication. And if you want to, you know, it bugs me that, that there's a market for that. Most of these books that are being challenged and removed actually are bestsellers. You can get them and lots of people have purchased these books. They're available nothing's being banned. But we all agree, most people agree, that some things are age-appropriate and some things are not, and that is good and it's necessary for your kids. And you should not be swayed by a cultural movement that says that certain things, particularly sexual things, are okay for your little kids. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888 528 2557. We come back. We'll take your calls, and uh, there are lots of things going on in the news we'll get to today. This is the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at Pastor at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 pm. Now, back to the show.
5: A district spokesperson says the Bible is not taught as part of the curriculum. They estimate seven to eight elementary schools and junior high schools in the district had the Bible on library shelves. The
0: Bible has always been best studied around the fireplace by the families where, you know, parents can give context to uh, the warnings and the uh, uh Uh, teachings that are in the Bible.
5: The decision has been appealed by an individual, the district says, who would like this version of the Bible retained at all levels. It will now go to an appeals committee consisting of three members of the Davis School District Board of Education.
2: Utah School District banned the Bible, or a parent uh, asked for it to be banned. We talked about that in the last section. I thought this guy's, uh, this is a school administrator talking about it, that the Bible is most understood by families talking around the fireplace and discussing what it means. I don't think that this person knows what it is, the Bible. I mean, that's a good thing to do. But have you done this with your family? Do you teach the Bible to your kids? And do you understand what is in it and what the Bible is? I, what I find a lot for people, and if you're listening, if you've never read the Bible, or maybe you've never read different uh, religious books from other faiths, the Bible is completely a different thing than anything else that's written out there of a religious text, okay, if you want to get into it. It is, and even for Christians, if you really haven't known what is in it, it's a completely and totally different idea. The interesting thing is this, and something you should know about the Bible, okay, is that it's not a set of rules set down by God for people to follow religiously, meaning that the Bible is not just a whole book of rules. There are plenty of rules in there, but most of the Bible is story. Most of the Bible is story. There's some poetry. There are some other things, but it's taught the, the way of God, the way of the kingdom of God is taught through story and history these are the things that happened to these nations, and these are the things that happened to these particular characters that had an impact that God was working with over the history of Israel and over the history of the church, okay, Old Testament, Israel, New Testament, the church. And if you've never read the Bible, it might surprise you that there are stories in there where there's some violence. I mean, there's, there's some stories in there that you don't want to read to your you know first or second grader. Um, and maybe not third or fourth grader. And as I was saying before the break, there are stories in there that I wouldn't read right now to my sixth grader. Uh, That doesn't mean I don't think he should know the Word of God. But the Bible is, it's the whole story, meaning that it doesn't shy away from real life. It doesn't shy away from real things that people do, not just good things, but real terrible things that happen. And the point is that mankind has fallen, that there is sin, that there wasn't any of that before the fall in Genesis 3, but that there will be a Savior. The Savior has to live a perfect life that none of us can live, and it's because of all the violence and, and vulgarity and terrible things of this world that we need a Savior, <clears throat> that there are no good people. And The interesting thing is that I think some people, maybe this is you, but and and hopefully it's not, but maybe it is. If you thought that the Bible is just a book full of rules, uh, that it's not it is not that at all and i think that sometimes christians we we treat it that way or we spend so much time talking about the rules and the thou shalt nots or the thou shalts and the way we live our life matters but the way that the word of god is given to us the way god chose what we believe as christians the way god chose to reveal himself to us is through stories that are rooted in history through stories that are rooted in actual behaviors and decisions that people made. And these stories were written down by about 40 different people over about 1500 years of time. And the incredible, remarkable thing about the Bible is that it tells one story, right, that it points everybody to Jesus Christ. That's what we believe as Christians. And if you read the Old and New Testament, that clearly is the claim that history is ultimately about Christ and what he is doing to redeem humanity. What he is doing in the midst of all of the evil and the hard times uh, that are here because of sin. The idea that anything that sin touches dies and it is and some of those stories are pretty brutal. I mean there's a person who gets a tent spike in the head okay and uh, now, now my 14 year old loved that story. He's into that kind of thing today you know not putting tent spikes in people's heads but that kind of a story right where there's adventure and many of the stories are amazing. They're great stories. Some of them are are harder if you're kind of sensitive to different things, but there's great stories in there. And then there's some parts of the Bible that are difficult, but very meaningful. The prophetic books, some of them are hard to get through, but they're important because the Bible has passages that are very easily attributed to Christ, prophecies that are very easily attributed to Christ, born in Bethlehem, those kinds of things. It's very well spelled out. But there's a whole lot in there that is about the first coming of Christ or the second coming of Christ or pointing to who God is that takes a lot of study and hard work. And that also is okay because God is complicated. It's not going to be just that easy, but it's all there. And it's a lifetime of study. It it's something that actually works for people. It's funny to me that the school district, by the way, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, I'm curious if you've been a Christian for a long time, or maybe you weren't a Christian, but you are now, that what happened when you really sat down to read the Bible, to not just read the stories that interested you in in particular, but you just said, I'm going to read this thing. It's funny to me that the uh school district there says uh, we reviewed the Bible in a day. No you didn't. Uh there's you know there's probably parts that they were referred to and they said, you know, is this part a violation of law? Which they said no, by the way. Uh but they did say, you know, these should be for older kids. I get that. And I think Christians do that all the time. Um but the Bible is not just a set of rules, it's a story and it's a story of ultimately everything and every person. You know, the first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, God created the universe, okay, universe, one verse, that's it. I don't know if you ever think about it that way, but the the universe, you know, if you look it up and you look up what the word universe uh, typically means, it It ultimately means the entirety of space, time, matter, energy, and all the galaxies and stars and planets, everything that exists, everything that has ever existed. And that's the concept of the universe that encompasses everything that can be observed or inferred to exist um, that we can kind of understand actually exists. Does that make sense? Um, And then you take one verse, the very first word, first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Universe, one verse, God created everything. That's That begins the story. If you can't get past that, um, the idea that there is a creator, never mind all the discussions about how he did it and how many days and all of that. That's another thing. But the fact that he created, if you can get past that verse, now you're going to read about the history of the world. And you're going to read about why things are the way they are. And you're going to understand them mostly by stories mostly by characters, people who had faith and people who didn't, people who made right choices and people who made bad choices, and very blessed people who made good choices but also made really bad choices. You know, most of your Bible characters that are revered, other than Jesus, at some point made pretty terrible decisions on top of a few really good decisions. Did you know that? Uh, Most people in the Bible, most of the characters have periods of time where they're pretty messed up. Or they have made bad choices or they have had terrible things happen to them. And the relatable part is that that's us, right? We have made bad choices. We've made some good choices. We've had good things happen to us. We've had bad things happen to us. And this is what you see. This is why most of it is very readable. Most of the Bible is very understandable, I like to quote Mark Twain, who once said, it's the parts of the Bible that, most of the Bible, there are parts of the Bible that I don't understand, but it's the parts of the Bible that I do understand that bother me. (laughs) It's a funny statement. And most people reading the Bible get it. I encourage people all the time, sit down and read the book of Revelation. Most of it, when you read that book, is there's a lot of symbolic language and a lot of prophetic language. And if you study and you really study what the ancients believed and the old Testament books, you're going to understand some of it. Um, but it takes a lot of work. But if you just sit down and read it over a couple of hours, there's a lot of it that specifically you're not going to get. And you're going to say, what in the world is that? But you're going to get the main point. You you sit down and read the book of revelation You will understand the main point of that book, that Jesus is going to return and Jesus wins, that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and one day he's coming back, and when he does, he's going to win, and he will be the king and people will be judged. That's It's not unclear and how that happens the order of that the different things that are being said there people are going to argue about that's okay but you won't miss the point point. and when you read the bible and you read all those stories and you put them together you won't miss the point even if some of it is hard even if some of it is difficult to understand have you ever done that where you suddenly decided and i'm particularly interested you know about christians who maybe you grew up in the church. And maybe you never heard the whole Noah story or the the story of uh, Tamar and the story of other people that you're certainly not going to teach little kids when you teach little kids the Noah part, but not the uh, drunk, naked Noah at the end. Okay. There's certain parts of those stories that you wait and you decide, hey, I'm just going to read this. How did it change your life? I believe that when you really read it, you read it with an open mind and you read it with the intent of saying, if this is the revelation of God to human beings then I should listen to this, because either it is or it isn't. If it's not, well then it's just an interesting, incredible book that has survived all of this history, but if it is the way God has revealed himself to us, then it's the most important book you will ever read. 888-528-2557 is the number. Uh, Carolyn Van eyes. welcome to the Pastor Scott Show.
3: Um, hi, hope you're having a good Monday. Um, I just wanted to say my daughters used to go to school. They finished in the early 2000s, but it is so important that parents talk with their kids. And I'm fortunate that mine came home and they told me things that were happening, like Planned Parenthood is in their high schools. And I did not know this until my older daughter let me know about it. She actually had one English teacher try to tell her that King David. Daniel, and the whole Bible was fiction, made up, just stories. Mm -hmm. And my older daughter actually pushed back on the teacher and said, they're not fiction, they're not made up, there's historical evidence, there's proof, they're real. Right away, that teacher moved her to another teacher in another English class. And again, another teacher, he tried to make them in a class read a book and to report on witches and witchcraft. My daughter said, no, can't do that. And she took a fail instead of doing it. And again, in Planned Parenthood, because um, she's a Catholic Christian, and there's a Catholic high school right across from Van Nuys High School where she went to. And she pushed back on the lady who was presenting information and they laughed at her, and she knew some of them, a lot of them, you because know, she was popular there. And untrue. you know, it's it's
2: important, Carol, for parents, and I think we've learned this. You know, you said the two uh, thousands that was going on. I think that we are yeah. learning, and I think a lot of what's happening with the schools and people being interested is that we're realizing that hey, uh, there's stuff being taught to our kids that we never thought would have been taught at all, one way or the other. Yeah,
3: that's that, true. That we thought yeah. was
2: up to us, and You know, when I uh, when I was a kid and whenever the sex ed thing came up, you know, letters were sent home to my you know, this is what's going to be taught. You could take your kids out if you wanted to. I think that does happen in some school districts and stuff. But then there's this underside that we're seeing. And sometimes it comes in just from one teacher or like you said, the one teacher who says all those stories are, are myths. You don't, yeah. you don't have to believe all of it. I got to take a break here. I'm almost uh, I'm over time here. Uh, I'll continue with that when we come back. 888 528 2557. Pastor Scott Show, Monday edition. I'm right back.
1: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show.
2: going to be back with you. 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email, pastorscott at kkla.com, pastorscott at kkla.com, 888-528-2557. We started this hour talking about book banning in, uh, in that whole book banning discussion, but there are the Bibles being banned in Utah and uh, some other places. And part of my point is, is that the reasons that people are saying to ban the Bible, because it is some of it is is sexual or vulgar or violent, uh, it actually makes the point that parents are, of why parents are upset about other books that are being controversially removed. Some of it shouldn't be controversial at all, that it actually makes the point that there are some things that are age appropriate and that human beings believe this, we've always believed that, and we still believe that, and we got to stand up for that. You know, and something, if you just kind of wonder why the world has gone nuts, uh, if you've read your Bible, like really read it, And I I challenge you this way because in 25 years of ministry and doing the radio now for several years in Christian radio and growing up as a pastor's kid, my whole life I've been around Christians and church stuff. I can tell you this, that, and this isn't always the case, but it's mostly the case, that Christians who have actually read the Bible, not just passages that fit a particular situation they're going through, or not just, you know, books that particularly lift them up, but you've sat down and you've really tried to work your way through it, that you do a Bible study, that you read it, you try to get through it, even parts that you don't think initially are interesting, but you go through it, that you have a greater understanding of the world. One of my best friends sat down, he got saved a few years ago, had the great privilege of baptizing him. And he sat down, he just decided, you know, I'm reading all these other books. I better read the Bible. Changed his life. And he just talked about how he can't, he doesn't see the news in the same light anymore. And he has tremendous hope, even though there's so much craziness. And when you understand that God has revealed, hey, this is what happened. This is why we're in the bad shape that we're in. Here's the solution is Jesus. And here's the ultimate goal of everything that God's doing. You recognize the incredible truth that is in Scripture. And so sometimes I just want to take some time and encourage you to read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the and the earth. It's how it begins. God created the universe, literally one verse. He just spoke it into existence. You know, there's, there's all kinds of scientific ideas and religious ideas about all of that. But, uh, you know, what's interesting is that at some point there was a beginning. At some point something happened and we really don't know whether you want to call it a big bang or God said, let there be. Uh, It all sounds like Genesis 1 to me, in the beginning, God, and it's something that is powerful. God's word is powerful, and it'll change your life. It'll give you understanding, and the stories that are in there are very interesting stories, and yeah they're they're rooted in history. If they're not supposed to be history, then you know it's a parable. And you know that it's, you know, it'll say once upon a time, you know, it'll say it'll differentiate between what is meant to be this is a real guy or real period of time in history versus this is just a parable. All right? It's it's all there. And you know, if you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but you know, modern science. You know what modern science uh, the more we learn about things, the more questions that we have, and, and many of you are, are in the scientific community, and you have done a lot of study, and you and you know the Lord. Many of the greatest scientists we've ever had, Isaac Newton, people like that, are Christians. And they give glory to God for what they discover, and glory to God for what they recognize they just don't know. You know there's plenty of permission to believe in God if you uh, really want to do science, if you really want to question things. Uh, There's a book out there. It's called 13 Things That Don't Make Sense that I looked at a while ago. And it has some interesting things in it. Okay, not all of them about Christianity, but it says, you know, uh, gases have been detected on Mars that could only have been only come from carbon-based life forms. All right. Uh, One of my favorite things is sexual reproduction doesn't line up with evolutionary theory. And moreover, there's no good scientific explanation for why we must die. And the author's name is Michael Brooks. He writes about consciousness and he says, an understanding of consciousness is key to help us face our problems with the biggest human dilemma, which is death, right? And the idea is, are we, are we just zombies or why are we self-aware? You know, why do we care about death? Uh, We know, you know, we don't, we know that it's going to happen and we can scientifically talk about uh, decay and all of that stuff and what happens, but we don't really know why. The Bible makes all of this clear, by the way. Uh, There's other things in the book the Bible doesn't talk about. It talks about cold fusion and, and some gases on Mars. Obviously, the Bible's not talking about that. But the things that are the biggest things that we question, the Bible makes all of it clear. And the more that we learn, even in science, about who and what we are, the more it sounds like Genesis 1 through 3, if you've actually sat down to read it, which a lot of Christians haven't done. Read it. Go read those chapters. You'll have some questions. But the Bible explains very clearly why we must die: sin. In the beginning, God. If you you will not have any trouble with the rest of the Bible if you can come to terms with that. In the beginning, God was already there, and He created. And you know, if you're if you're there, you know you you don't have a problem with the rest of it. If you're struggling with that, you know, if you don't believe that the first cause of creation was God speaking that set off the Big Bang or whatever you want to call it, the, well, then what was it? That's that's a very difficult question. Uh, the universe seems to have a system of natural laws that govern it. Where did they come from? Who set those laws in place? How did that happen? Philosophers agree that, you know, a, a transcendent lawgiver of some kind is the only plausible explanation for an objective moral standard if there is an objective moral standard. And that would be an argument of philosophy. Maybe there isn't one. Maybe if we're just dust in the wind, you can do whatever you want. But, you know, are there certain things that every culture clearly finds wrong or is it always subjective? Rape, murder, genocide, you know, most people think in every culture that those things are wrong. But they're not wrong if there's not some kind of transcendent lawgiver or a higher moral standard that's enforceable supernaturally above nature. See, if you're not sure about God, you begin there. Why are certain things wrong? If there's no God, then there's not. They're only wrong based upon human power and who's decided, you know, this versus that, and then it's still not wrong. Still doesn't matter. See, but going forward from, from there, if you believe God created the universe and you believe he created all those laws and that he is the one who determines what is right and wrong, well, then the rest of it begins to make perfect sense. And you find all kinds of things. You know, in Genesis, uh, one of the things that Adam does before the fall is he names the animals, how do you do that? Well, I guess if you've got, uh, you're not going to die, you're going to live a long time. You've got plenty of time to come up with a name. It's interesting, right? God said, name the animal. And Adam said, what do you mean? God says, well, what? look at that thing. What do you want to call it? He said, giraffe. God said, fine, it's a giraffe. Uh, elephant. Great, call it an elephant. Obviously, he had a different language. But let me ask you this. When we discover a new creature today in the depths of the sea or some other place, who names the animals today? They don't tell us their name. Adam names the animals. Mankind, we still name the animals. See, it all makes sense. Mankind is still naming the animals. Why death? Uh, people are given one rule. Don't eat of the tree of, of uh, knowledge. They eat it and they were naked and had no shame. Suddenly they hide because they're naked and they have shame. Uh, when we don't trust God, we mix evil into our lives and the lives of others. And right there in the garden, it's the answer for death. And it's the answer for suffering. And then the rest of the Bible is the answer for life, and it's the answer for hope, and why death isn't the end for those who believe there is hope. See, that, that's the hope of the Bible. You trust God with your life. You trust Jesus, and when you do, your life is better, and eternity is yours. Redemption is yours. Forgiveness is yours. All of your spiritual angst is taken care of by Jesus on the cross. Why? Because of the offspring of Eve, Jesus Christ. That's why, and that's the history of the world, that's the way our calendar is built, by the way. It's how we agreed on it. And when you read through the Bible and you read about the end times and where things are going, sounds like Jesus is coming eventually. Sounds like Jesus is who he said he was. Sounds like the way the Bible says the world is going to go, the way the Bible talks about history. Sounds like that's what we see on TV, and it seems like that is the best explanation for what is happening. Trust me. You want to know the Bible. Don't trust me. Look at it for yourself read it, ask questions, study it. All right, when we come back, we will talk about uh, some political news of the world and policies. What policies matter most? What things, regardless of who's carrying those policies, what policies matter most? This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned.